may be seated. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Um, the youth ministry has had a very, very busy summer, um, but most importantly, a very fruitful summer. Um, and so coming up, we have a few students who attended these different camps and trips and would love to tell you more about their experiences. Lauren? <laughs> Hi, I'm Lauren Schaefer, a freshman at Morristown High School, and this summer I went on the junior high missions trip to Chattanooga, Tennessee, which was my second Sun Servants trip. I had a lot of fun on the mission trip this summer, and I grew in so many different ways. During the trip, we worked with Widows Harvest Ministries, Project 52, and a homeless shelter. My group worked with Widows Harvest Ministries, and we painted a widow's house. Her name was Miss Moore. After talking with her, we realized that she also needed help cleaning the inside of her house, so we did that as well. Miss Moore was extremely nice to us and appreciative of our help. She started telling us stories about her life and even showed us some old photo albums she had. After each workday, we prayed with her. It was really beautiful to see how we were making such a big difference in her life, even if it was only for a week. The first thing we would do every morning when we woke up was spend time with God in quiet time. For every Sun Servant trip, we get these books that have a certain theme for what we'll be learning that week. This year's theme was Pressing On, based on Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This verse has become one of my favorites because it's a great reminder to push through and stay strong because through God, you can. No matter what it is, everything you do should be done for the glory of God. One of the leaders was describing how... Um, the former director of Widow's Harvest Ministries would come up to people while they're painting and ask what they're doing. They would say painting, and he would say, no, you're worshiping. I really saw this to be true throughout the trip. Because of Sun Servants, kids were able to help so many people and just be a light in their lives through their work. And that kind of impact isn't just temporary. It's showing God's love to other people, and that's a permanent thing. Thank you. Good morning. So my name is Ethan Davis, and I have the pleasure to talk to you about my experience from Collingswood Week. So first off, Collingswood Week was a chance for me and other high schoolers to go to the Collingswood campus, actually the FCC Collingswood campus, and run a VBS camp at a local park nearby. And so we had about 12 or so high schoolers show up, and throughout the week we had a blast. So I'm going to show you kind of what each day looked like. So around 7 a.m., we would kind of wake up, just get ourselves mentally and physically prepared. And around 7.30, we would start our morning devotions, which were written by Ryan, and they were just well-written. They were amazing. A great way to just start the day with, like, God's Word. And so after that, we would eat breakfast. After breakfast, we would um, gather all our posters and stuff that we needed for the day, and we'd actually walk to the park because the park was about only like a mile or so away. So we'd gather all our stuff and walk to the park and just prepare for the kids to come. And once the kids came, we kind of just spent around an hour or so just like hanging with them, getting to know them, just learning who they are. And after that, we were able to just have worship time, and they were like so energetic. They were They were ready to learn, and they wanted to learn more. And so once we were all done, the kids left, we wrapped up, we packed up, and we, head back, we headed back to the church. And once we headed back to the church, we had about three or four hours to just relax and just like prepare for the next day by doing a dry run, which a dry run is basically just doing our roles, but like speaking them to our leaders and just getting prepared and getting all the stress off our bodies. 
And then after that, we would have dinner. And then right before bed, we would actually do um, worship in the sanctuary of the church, which was just a great way to end off the day in, on a good note with God's word again. And the week went amazing, and God was really able to provide for us. We actually had three kids that were saved, which was just really amazing. You can clap. Thank you. That opened all our eyes to just really see what God can do and how he can work in just one simple week. And so from my personal experience, um, me and a friend of mine named Simeon Painter, um, we actually met this guy who was just sitting alone at the park, and we decided to just go join him, just just get to know him, you know? And so we learned that he's actually an artist, and he's just a really good painter, and he collects art. And then he asked us what we were doing in the park because he saw us just with a giant group of people. And we said we were running a VBS camp and his draw jaw dropped. And he was amazed by what we were doing. And he was just so happy that we were spreading God's love throughout the community. And so he actually kept coming back day after day, just meeting me and Simeon again and learning who we are and who he is. And God proved that week that he was really almighty and that nothing was ever going to change that. And so a little verse I want to share with you that relates uh, to my experience from Collingswood Week is Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God showed up so much in that week, and I can't wait to go back next year. My name is Leah Bennett, and I'm a senior at Lenape High School. This past summer, I attended my second high school missions trip to Panther, West Virginia. Panther holds a special place in my heart, and I bet any of the other high schoolers would tell you the exact same thing. Once you're there, it feels like no other place measures up. It's a place where community strengthens and extends me on the trip, a place of worship and teaching, and a place to meet personally with God, where I'm reminded that God is the only person that can satisfy the deepest longings of my heart. Panther can feel like the life Adam and Eve lived at the beginning of Genesis when they walked joyfully in the cool of the day with God, but in reality, it's only a small glimpse of what heaven will be like, hopefully a place where we can flush toilet favor. <laughs> Panther, West Virginia is one of the poorest areas of the country and an area where many people are in need of some home repair. This year, my work group and I, the blue team, had the opportunity to help Mr. McGuire by raising the kitchen floor of his trailer home to prevent it from completely caving in. The weather that week was very rainy, so it slowed down our progress a little bit, but by the help of God's provision and the help of boys not afraid of mud, my group was able to accomplish what we set out to do by the end of the week. While some of us were working, some of us went inside to talk to the homeowner and spread the love of Jesus. The mission trips I've been a part of are so special because they're weeks spent humbly serving the people who need our help and in turn serving Jesus. It's like he says in Matthew 25, 40, and the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The trip to Panther this summer was so fruit-filled and a time of spiritual growth, but I can't talk about all the good things without some honest reflection of my own week. I definitely dealt with being spiritually attacked that week, and my thoughts were clouded by one particular lie. No one really likes being around you. I've always struggled with comparing myself to people and constantly seem to need the reminder that God's approval is the only one that I need, and I've been fearfully and wonderfully made. I talked about that same struggle in my baptism testimony, and here I am to say that I still struggle with it. It would be wrong of me to say that I've been completely freed of comparing myself to people and caring what others think of me, 
but that doesn't mean God isn't still good and isn't still working. During that trip, God showed me through different leaders and through different friends that people do care about me and do like being around me. Simple questions like, are you okay? Do you want to go on a walk together? You don't see yourself. Is everything all right? Had so much value during that week for me. I still had a difficult time believing those questions actually had people attached to them who genuinely wanted to know how I was doing and spend time with me. But when I reflect back on the trip from where I am now, I can see that God not only doesn't want us to believe the lie that I did during that trip, but that even if no one really likes being around me, he does, and he loves me infinitely more than the, love, than the love I might search for from anyone else. God created each of us for a specific purpose, with specific gifts and personalities, all to glorify him. I might not be like the person next to me, but even if I go unnoticed here on earth, I'm never unnoticed by the king of heaven. My life is his and not my own. Finally, as Jared would end his sermons every night in Panther, if you forget everything I said today, remember that you are loved immeasurably more than you could ever imagine, and you are valued more than anything in this world could ever give you. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Haven McCoy. I'm a senior in high school at Trinity Preparatory School. My family and I have been going to FCC for over nine years now, and I've always been involved in youth group and youth ministries. That's why I'm very excited for this Youth Sunday. I've loved having a stable place to come and be surrounded by other Christians. It truly has been the biggest blessing in my life. So as far as this summer, I went on a missions trip with the youth group to Panther, West Virginia. We partnered with Sun Servants, which is an organization that helps the Panther community. This was my first year going on the trip, and it was just the most inspiring experience. The whole Panther community when we got there was so welcoming and encouraging toward us. The volunteers were so caring and made everyone feel safe and comfortable. They just wanted us to feel at home. Everyone that got to go on the trip in many different and beautiful ways fully experienced the abundant love of God. So what Sun Servants and all of us at churches that partnered with them did was we went into the community to help different people in need. So we split into groups. I believe there were about like eight groups of us and we got an assignment. Some went out into the community and fixed rotted porches. Others fixed up roofs. And my group got the privilege of redoing a woman's floor. Basically, she had no center beam in her floor, so it was sinking in. So we had to rip that out, redo her floor, and then we also fixed part of her wall that was infested with termites. And that is basically what we got up and did every single day. But what I mainly want to talk about is my experience with the love of the community. The community, including fellow FCC people, other church participants, or the Sun Servants faculty. This trip was filled with the most God-loving people I have ever been surrounded by. Everyone was there for one purpose, and that was just to work hard and give all the praise to God. Every single person that came to Panther that week either came already filled with the joy of Christ and to work hard and be a disciple to Him. And if they didn't, they certainly left with the desire to grow in their relationship with Christ didn't matter if the power went out for the third time that week and we had no light or fans to keep us cool, or if we were sweating from a long work day and had no water to shower. Overall, I didn't care about any of that because all I could focus on all week was how excited I was to be surrounded by so many Christ-like people. 
personally, even being surrounded by so many Christians, I've struggled with finding a group of Christians that genuinely desire to just share God's love and show him through themselves. And this trip didn't only bless me with the experience in missions, but it blessed me with a community of friends, whether new or old, that I feel like I'm growing closer to God just by being in their presence. There was no friction. No one wanted friction. Everyone desired so much to be connected with each other because God put together such a wonderful group that week. No one split off into groups. We just wanted to be around each other. And the night before we left, we were all obviously very sad and everyone was crying, saying their goodbyes because no one wanted to leave the community where we felt so loved, cherished, and safe. And don't get me wrong, although I was so sad leaving the next morning, I couldn't wipe a smile off my face all night because I was just overwhelmed with joy. And I was just so grateful because... I just felt the presence of God in me and in the community that he put together that week so much. I knew we impacted the Panther community by helping those in need, but they impacted me so much more than I could have ever imagined. I was so grateful to experience a type of love from people I had only met five days before. God's love was shining through everyone that week, and I'm just so blessed to be a part of that experience. It's the community there was the community we try to seek home in reality, but the mission trip was just a symbol of how Christ's family should always be. So thank you. Just getting set up. Sorry about that. Great to be with you all this morning. This is our youth. Like, isn't that crazy? <laughs> it is. It is wild to uh, have this privilege, Jared, to lead middle schoolers. Which, if you don't know me, my name is Ryan. Um, I've been on staff here at Fellowship for the past three years. Um, I love my job. Today, I just realized that I love it more. Um, but yes, this is our youth, um, and it is a joy to be with you all this morning as we look at God's Word together. But I am not going to dilly-dally. It's 9.39. Today is not just Youth Sunday, but as you've heard earlier, today is also the ministry fair. Um, we had balloons, but they fell over. It was really cool, right? But there's tables everywhere. We want to make sure that you stop everywhere you want to stop at for you and your family this year before you go home uh, and watch the Cowboys lose to the Bengals. So, yeah, if you have a Bible, if you have a Bible uh, or someone around you does that you can look on with, or if you want to reach for a fancy black pew Bible in front of you, that's going to be on page 759. Um, but Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22 is where we're going to land this morning. And we're going to look at the cost of following Jesus. But while you're turning there, I'm just going to set the stage. We're taking a break from our series in Acts, which is a beautiful backdrop behind me. We won't be there this morning. Um, but this morning we'll be looking at the calling of Jesus's first disciples as recorded by the disciple Matthew. This call from Jesus in Matthew 4 is actually a, a parallel writing from Mark chapter 1. So Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20, we can really piece together some context around this whole event, not just to see where these two authors are different in the details of their writing, but also seeing where they align in similarity. 
And if we look for just a second, uh, in terms of similarity, both Matthew and Mark write this calling of Jesus' first disciples, which is where we're going to land. They write this immediately after they write about Jesus' announcement of the beginning of his earthly ministry. Um, This announcement is verse 17 in Matthew 4. uh, In Mark 1, it is in verse 14 and 15, which should be up on the slide. Mark 1, 15, Jesus says this. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. I believe Matthew and Mark's intentions were pretty clear. To, yes, record the importance of this beginning work of Jesus here on earth. But then immediately demonstrate to their audiences what repenting and what believing in the gospel actually looks like. So here we are, we're in Matthew 4 with a couple different parties of people. Simon, Peter, and Andrew in their boat. James and John with their dad, Zebedee, and their hired servants in their boat. And Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. So I'm going to read for us, and then we'll, we'll pray this morning. Matthew 4, verse 18 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Lord, we look at your word this morning. We need you. We thank you for all the testimonies this morning from different missions trips, seeing your spirit, not just here in this church building, but in Panther, in Collingswood, in Chattanooga. We pray, Lord, that we would gain a clear sense of what it looks like to follow you in our lives this morning. Your name. Amen. Two things. uh, We're going to we're going to go quick. So two things I think I see from uh, scripture this morning. I think we see one, we see a radical call. And second, we see a definite response. Uh, the first phrase, Jesus in verse 19 calls out to Simon, Peter, and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This wasn't the first time Jesus had met Simon, Peter, and Andrew in verse 35 of John chapter 1 through the end of John 4, Peter and Andrew were beginning to gain a sense of who Jesus was as rabbi. Uh, They were starting to build relationship with him, getting to know him, learning his ways, training under him, witnessing his power amongst all kinds of different people. But here's why this situation is radical. Jesus called fishermen. And I think the misconception today is to think, at least in our brains, that fishermen were part of this low class of society, poor people. That's not actually the case, which we'll talk about in a second. But the reality is, again, 
Jesus called fishermen. These were common men without any sort of theological credentials or status. These four guys were likely not the most educated people. They probably smelled. (laughs) Most rabbis probably wouldn't want these guys to, to study under them, but they were hardworking. They were strong laborers and they were willing. And here Jesus is saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men, implying that this will be a a steady journey of training under Jesus, not sharing the ways and the truth of who he is with others is part of following Jesus. So disciples of Jesus can make other fishers of men too. So we see a radical call. And I think secondly, we see a definite response immediately they left and followed him. These four men left behind their nets, but I think that symbolizes a lot for them to follow Jesus. These men left their incomes to question to follow Jesus. They left their wives, children's family for periods of time, maybe not knowing when the next time they would be home or come back in town to follow Jesus. They left behind their financially stable businesses and futures to follow Jesus. James and John even went against the cultural norms at the time and left the family business to follow Jesus. Again, James and John left their dad in the boat. They left everything. But what's even crazier is that they didn't just leave slowly making sure, you know, okay, like if I leave, is everything going to be all right? Is everything set in stone? Like, hey, hey man, is it all right if I go and follow this guy? No, like it says they immediately left and followed him because they knew Jesus was better. He was different than the other teachers. He's the one who spoke with the greatest of authority, who was rooted in the Old Testament, who, who also gave application and presented conviction to others as he taught. And although being the one who spoke with the greatest of authority, this same Jesus had the deepest of compassions for the sick, who guided the lost, who loved the poor, and helped those in need. I think for Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John, this decision was a no, must have been a no-brainer. It was definite. I don't have it on the slide, but thought of the lyrics from a hymn written a very long time ago um, called I've Decided to Follow Jesus. Some of the lyrics are, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, I still will follow, no turning back, no turning back. The world behind me and the cross before me, No turning back, no turning back. Our second point. So to follow Jesus back then, 2000 years ago, and even today in 2022, what's the cost? I believe the cost of following Jesus requires two things. First, a denial of self and an embracing of Christ. 
in a Matthew 16, 24 kind of way, Jesus speaking to his disciples that if anybody will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Tish Harrison Warren's book. uh, I wish I brought it up here. I think it's on a slide. Great. Um, It's called The Liturgy of Ordinary. It's been super meaningful to me as I've been kind of processing what it looks like to deny myself, actually, and embrace Christ, actually, in my daily life. Um, The prefacer of her book brings up a really good idea. Uh, Denying yourself and embracing Christ is a day-by-day and moment-by-moment thing. And most of the moments that we experience in our lives are pretty ordinary, like losing my keys, uh, your husband forgot to do the dishes again, um, rocking your baby to sleep and they will never, ever go to sleep. Have a three-month-old, I thought you guys were kidding that they didn't sleep. Wow, I was wrong. But here's what Warren says in her book about following Jesus in every moment. She says this, uh, I don't have the quote, so, but it says small bits of our day are profoundly meaningful because they're the site of our worship. The crucible of our formation is in the monotony of our daily routines. I think she's saying that it's in everything that we do and every situation that we face There's a competition for where we place our devotion and where we place our affection. And also, I think this battle for where we place our devotion doesn't just apply in these big, big monumental moments we each have in our lives, but it applies everywhere and every day and in every moment. Choosing to follow Christ isn't just saved for the remarkable moments for our lives. The reality is that we will face many, many decisions to follow him in the ordinary and regular times in in our lives than in the extraordinary. Following Jesus requires us to weigh the cost of denying ourselves and embracing him. And second, I think the cost of our, and this is our last point, I think the cost of following Jesus requires worldly abandonment and an eternal fixation. It's 951. I was hoping I'd have time to do this, but I'm leaving. Just kidding. Hold on. We'll mix it up. See you Sunday. I have a prop. Now I'm going to warn you. This is not... This is not my illustration. Uh, it is coined by the, I'm sorry, camera person. I'm like every, it's like this guy just walked off the stage. This was coined by uh, pastor, author, Francis Chan. Some of you might know him. Jared has done this at youth group before, but when I think of worldly abandonment, wow, this is such a cool picture. Okay. It's youth ministry. It's youth Sunday. I want you to put your imagination helmet on. Just buckle it up. I don't know if you got a seatbelt. If you got a seatbelt too, that's great. Um, here's what I want. I want you to imagine that this rope goes on forever. Um, it obviously ends at the end of the stage, but 
pretend that it goes around the world twice, pretend that it goes around the universe twice, uh, pretend that it goes around the church twice, whatever. This rope goes on forever and ever and ever. Second thing I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that this rope is a timeline of your entire existence. So if this goes on forever, this will be eternity, eternity, eternity. And the last thing I want you to imagine is that this yellow part is your time here on earth. And we're human. And I catch myself too where, okay, maybe if, maybe if I get this grade here, I can go to this college. And, and then if I go to this college, I could go here. And if I save, I could, I could live really well here. And we forget about the millions and the millions and the millions and the millions of years of our eternity. Matthew 16, 25. Whoever saves his life here on earth will lose it. And whoever loses my life, whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Says that the disciples immediately left everything to follow Christ. They abandoned the world. Yes, these things still exist. There's, there's things in our world that exist like money and, and finances and things like that. But they said, I'm not going to place my identity there. They turned and followed Christ and they found life. We've seen this morning from a bunch of youth who have left behind summer plans, vacations, extra opportunities to make money, college visits, you name it. They left these things behind to follow Christ. Parents, love to acknowledge you for just a second. Some of you were in a position like Zebedee. You're in the boat while you're thinking about their future and their well-being and their next steps. You've allowed them to go like Zebedee and say, yes, follow him. Allowing your children to follow the truth and ways of Jesus. Church, the reality is that we can't follow Jesus and ourselves. The throne of our lives can't hold two. It's one or the other. My question for us this morning is this. Are we following Jesus? Are we following Jesus? Every moment in our days, in the mundane of a, of a normal Tuesday with soccer practice at night, are we following Jesus there? Love for you to stand this morning before we dismiss. I'm just going to pray for us. Pray with me. Lord, as we stand together this morning, as people whom you love, 
May we not just learn the truths of who you are, but be pushed to follow your ways in the world, in a world that's hard, in a world that's loud, in a world that's fast. Make us a people who long to know you and make you known. May we remember who it is that's leading us as we follow you. In that name we pray, Lord. Amen. May you keep your eyes firmly fixed on Jesus as you walk and follow him this week. Would love for you to check out the ministry fair before you go and stop at any tables that you need to. You are dismissed.